We haven't discussed uh, fungi for a while. The last time was when uh, Michael Pollan came back on the program to advocate uh, the medical use of his magic mushrooms. But tonight we're going to hear there may be even more magic in fungi in the fight against climate change. Michael wants to heal, heal people. Here's an argument about healing the planet. Because hidden beneath the ground are trillions of kilometres of fungal networks that, well, they sustain much of the Earth's plant life and act as a giant carbon sink. But according to Dr Toby Kears and her fellow scientists, these fantastic uh, fungi are not getting anywhere near the attention they deserve. Toby is an evolutionary biologist based at the Free University of Amsterdam. She's also executive director and chief scientist at the non-profit, the Society for the Protection of Underground Networks, or SPUN. They're currently on a mission to map and create an atlas of this remarkable hidden world. Dr. Toby, welcome to our little program. We're talking about a particular type of fungi here, aren't we? Known as, and I'll have a crack at pronouncing it, mycorrhizal zoa fungi. Introduce me. Well, that's pretty good. Thank you. What a pleasure to be here. Introduce, so us, to, introduce us to this brand of fungi. I'm going to. And first, what we call them is mycorrhizal fungi. And, and mycorrhizae, they're a type of beneficial fungi, and they form a very intimate connection with plant roots. It's what we call like a symbiotic partnership. And what plants are doing is they're feeding mycorrhizal fungi carbon in the form of sugars and fats. And in return, the fungi use the carbon and they grow these massive networks in the soil. And they're foraging for nutrients like common ones, you know, like phosphorus and nitrogen that they then feed to the plants. So it creates this partnership um, that forms, I don't know, we call it an underground circulatory system of, of fast flowing nutrients really beneath all of our global ecosystems. I've also heard it referred to as the wood wide web. Exactly. So it's called the wood wide web because these connections form between plant roots. They make physical connections. And what we like to point out that it's not just the woods, it's not just the forests that form these connections. It's also the grasslands, the drylands, even desert plants associate with these mycorrhizal fungi. You make the point that if forests are the lungs of the world, these underground fungal networks are the circulatory system. That's right, exactly. These, these networks are, are an underground circulatory system because they're moving so much nutrients, right? The networks are mind-blowingly dense. Uh, a handful of healthy soil can contain up to 100 kilometres of these mycorrhizal fungi. So put another way, these networks can make up about 50% of the living biomass of soils. And so within these, within these networks is this fast flow of phosphorus, nitrogen, and of course, carbon that the plants are feeding to the fungi, drawing down atmospheric CO2. At what point in history does, in deep time, do fungi arrive on the planet? Uh, that's, that's still up for debate, but these mycorrhizal fungi come onto the scene about 450 million years ago. So this is a point in time when aquatic plants were just living in water systems. You say the networks are incredibly dense. How dense are we talking? 
Well, as I said, a handful of healthy soil can contain about 100 kilometers of mycorrhizal fungi. And so if you're to look, let's say, under a hectare of grasslands, that would be the length of 12 million Amazon rivers. So incredibly dense and long. But of course, they're just packed into the soil. And globally, the total length of the webs is just the top 10 centimetres of soil, but it's equivalent to about half the width of our galaxy. That's the number we like to say. Yes, of course, we're making a huge estimate. But this is what this is what scientists have estimated is the length of the fungi just in the top 10 centimeters. So, again, incredibly vast. Toby, are they visible to the naked eye? Now, a trained eye can just make out very thin threads of network in the soil. And of course, some mycorrhizal fungi do make mushrooms above ground. I think you probably know some, maybe chanterelles or morels, and we can see those. But the most ubiquitous type lives completely underground. But what we've done is, as scientists, we've had luck in recent years actually bringing the partnership into the lab. And then we can use like microscopes to study the flows inside the networks. And it's absolutely mesmerizing, right? The network is like an open pipe system. We can watch how the fungi control the nutrient flows inside these pipes. The fungi, they, they cause the flows to go faster, slower, even switch directions. So now we're really trying to decode the language of these fungal flows. Now, you make the point that mushrooms are the, well, the tip of the iceberg, giving us a hint of what's going on underneath. Now, why can they be such a powerful ally against climate change? Well, soils are a really big carbon sink. I, I, most people don't realize this, but about 75% of the Earth's carbon, terrestrial carbon, is stored underground. So as I explained before, plants feed carbon to mycorrhizal fungi. And these fungi, they act as like a sink or a vacuum to help move CO2 from the atmosphere to the soil via this plant fungal pathway. And of course, removal of the CO2 helps limit global warming. But fungi are even, even more superpowers than that because what they do is create a very stable, sticky soil. They, they almost act like a, like a scaffolding that holds up a building. And if you lose that mycorrhizal network, if you lose the scaffolding, the soil and all of its carbon sequestrating power, it washes away. So that's why it's important that we protect them. Toby, you gave a very popular TED talk back in 2019 about how plants and fungi make a, a more sophisticated trade deal than humans. I like that metaphor. Well, it's actually, we can use it as a metaphor, but what we do in the lab is actually use economic theory, like ec economic systems to predict what a fungi should do in any given situation. So we can set up these experiments where we, we ask, ask uh, the fungi, what is the price that you would sell these resources at? And the fungi never, never fail to surprise us. They do very clever trade strategies whereby they will, let's say, take resources from one side of the network, move it across the network and trade it with root systems that need more of that nutrients and actually get a better price. Now, let's focus on the Society for, for the Protection of Underground Networks, your outfit spun. Why has there been such a, a 
global blind spot when it comes to these fungal networks that Spun has to address? Well, I think the easy answer is that we can't see them, right? It's much easier for us to care about the icons of nature that we can see, like coral reefs, for example. But you can really think of mycorrhizal networks as the, the coral reefs of the soil. They're hidden, but they're really paramount to ecosystem health and survival. So it's, it's you know, as a scientist, it's exciting. We've been documenting their importance for decades, but now the public is starting to listen and actually care. My old friend Tim Flannery says that we know much more about outer space than we do about the oceans. And in a sense, scientists know much more about the above-ground world than the subterranean ecosystem. Exactly. This is sort of like the the most... Um, the biggest battle cry that we can make right now is just how little we know about underground ecosystems. And actually with SPUN, what we're trying to say is that we need a NASA of the underground. You can think of SPUN (laughs) as the NASA of the underground. We're going to use these maps to chart the most understudied ecosystems on Earth. Now, they're not counted in the Convention on Biological Diversity. Well, we are going to change that. I mean, that's why we need what are called myconauts, which are myco means um, fungus and not means explorer, to start advocating for fungi in these types of conventions and trying to get really a handle on this biodiversity that's out there that we haven't yet documented. You mentioned uh, barrier reefs, well, like the, the Great Australian Reef, which are clearly under threat, but your fungi are facing a number of threats as well, once again from climate change. Yeah, yeah. So it's climate change, it's deforestation. I mean, think about deforestation, right? Trees are really ripped from the ground. We're also, we're worried about agricultural expansion. It, it introduces all kinds of problems like fungicide, right? Fungicide, meaning fungal killer, and, and tillage, which physically tears apart these fungal networks. Um, urbanization. It paves over living underground ecosystems. But there's also hidden threats like too much fertilizer. So you have to remember that plants have relied on mycorrhizal networks for hundreds of millions of years, but then we invented fertilizer. And now there's evidence that plants stop feeding carbon to mycorrhizal fungi if we soak them in fertilizer. Like, why would you feed the fungi if you have access directly to the nutrients? So industrialized agriculture as much as forestry, is a big problem for them. It is, it is, because when we stop, when the plants stop feeding mycorrhizal fungi, the the fungi die. And so uh, we're worried about, you know, changes in in soil temperature, fires, a lot of the global change that's happening um, around the world is ones that threaten mycorrhizal networks as well. Toby, are new forms of fungus being discovered? (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's also an understatement. I mean, I think this is probably the least explored kingdom. It's an entire kingdom. And so I think the latest estimate is that plant, uh, scientists think that there's around 5 million different kinds of species out there. And, uh, you know, we only know about a couple hundred thousand at this point. Wow. Okay. So tell me more about SPUN and the project you're undertaking to map the networks. 
Yeah, so the mission of SPUN, it's really to map the biodiversity of the Earth's mycorrhizal networks and then advocate for its protection. So it goes a step further and says we need to protect these networks. Now, we can't measure fungal biodiversity on every pixel on Earth. So we work with these machine learning algorithms that are developed in collaboration with um, Crowther Lab at ETH and organizations like, like Global Fungi. Now, what these algorithms do is they help us predict the hidden hotspots of mycorrhizal biodiversity across the globe. So we use these algorithms to make predictions, but these are just predictions. This is what's really important. So then what we do is SPUN works with local collaborators and, communi and communities and actually go and ground truth these predictions, literally ground truth the predictions, sample the world's soils, and then sequence the fungal DNA. What are some of the fungal hotspots you've identified? I understand that we might have some right here in Australia. Yeah, exactly. So we, we just returned uh, from a trip to Patagonia, working with the Fungi Foundation and local collaborators. And, and that was a really high predicted high biodiversity hotspot because it has some of the most unique plants on Earth, including these trees that are some of the oldest on Earth. Now, in Australia, we're interested in the dune ecosystems along the southern coast. Now, these habitats have been exposed to really extreme conditions like low water and high salt. And so we think that the plants have evolved really unique mycorrhizal partnerships. Australia, it's funny to think about it from this underground perspective, but it's actually known as a hotspot for root evolution, right? Australian plants, plants have evolved really unique sort of root structures that are unseen in other plants on Earth. So again, we're interested in how those unique structures interact with these fungi. That, that surprises you know, the untrained ear because here is fungal biodiversity in places with unfertile soil. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because the plants depend so heavily on the mycorrhizal networks to access the nutrients. So in places where there's really no nutrients, you have to actually put more carbon into the fungal network. Now, you, uh, you're currently in the process of collecting samples from the hotspots and you've been thither and yon. What do you hope the information, or how do you hope the information will be used, Toby? Yeah, so we really need these maps to track the health, the biodiversity, the function of mycorrhizal networks. I think they're going to provide us with an early warning system for ecosystem collapse. So some people call soil organisms the canary in the coal mine, right, because they can help us predict when ecosystems start to deteriorate. And these networks, they're disappearing at an alarming rate. And that, that rate is actually accelerating climate change. So I think that these maps are really important to track the, the health and the function of the networks. As I said, it's the NASA underground. Before I let you go, where did your own obsession with this amazing species begin? <laughs> well, I think once you once you discover the world of fungi, then obsession quickly follows. Um, so for me, it was, I guess, when I was about 19 and I was living on a research island in the middle of the Panama Canal. And a scientist from the Smithsonian taught me to lie on the ground and look up at tropical forests from the soil up. And when you embrace that worldview, everything shifts. I've been I've been enjoying lying in the dirt ever since. <laughs> Well, you're a fascinating scientist and it's been great to talk to you. So thanks for coming on the Little Wireless program. My guest has been uh, Toby Kears. 
an evolutionary biologist based at the Free University of Amsterdam and co-founder of SPUN, which is the Society for the Protection of Underground Networks. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.